Hello everyone and welcome to another issue of Canaan Rinse. Um, this is volume 7, issue 347, and we will be covering The Last Guardian. But before we get into that, play along with Canaan Rinse. Um, upcoming issues include Zone of the Enders 2, Second Runner, Resident Evil 7, and uh, finishing off the year is uh, the the last for now in our Final Fantasy uh, series, Final Fantasy VII. And there are no more upcoming issues. Um, the the Grand Council has uh, yet to convene and decide the many issues that await us in uh, 2019. You should also subscribe to our sister podcast, Sound of Play. Um, where we talk about all our favourite video game music. Um, it's a fantastic podcast. More of you should be listening to it. Um, and yeah, there's there's some amazing um, issues of that with really, really great video game music. Um, subscribe, review and rate us on all of your podcast apps of choice. Um, um, you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Now, joining me, Joshua Garrity, in issue 347 are Jacob Geller. Hello. Jay Taylor. Hello. And Tony Atkins. Hello. So, The Last Guardian is a 3D puzzle adventure game uh, from the mind of legendary uh, designer and developer uh, Fumito Ueda. Um, who, of course, is responsible for uh, Eco and Shadow of the Colossus um, when he was part of the team, uh, Team Eco with Sony. Um, he's now gone on to form Gen Design. Um, Gen Design was actually formed um, as this uh, game was being developed. Um, so uh, Fumito uh, Ueda uh, left Sony uh, during the development of this game and ended up uh, freelancing to finish off this game uh, with his team, which is formed for, uh, by uh, many member, former members of uh, Team Eco. Um, I just want to run through a few few of those names. So um, obviously. Uh, uh, directing um, is uh, Ueda uh, himself. In producer roles, we have Kazunobu Sato um, and also U Ueda again. Uh, in designer roles, we have Masanobu Tanaka, um, Su Chol Lee, Satoru Yamabe, uh, and Ueda again. Lead programmer is Makoto Izawa. Um, in writing duties is Ueda again, uh, Masami uh, Tanji, and Yuta Kimura. And in composing duties is uh, Takeshi uh, Furukawa. Um, so the game was, now that we've got, sorry, that is the hardest part of the podcast. <laughs> now it's easy from now on. Um, right. So the, the game was released on uh, PlayStation 4 um, in on the 6th of December 2016 in Japan and North America. Um, us lot in Europe got it a day late on the 7th of December. Um, so reviews, this is based on uh, GameRankings.com. Uh, reviews average around 82%. 
but it is worth noting that the reviews go as high as 10 and as low as 5 and uh, the numbers are all over the place so this isn't a case where critics are generally giving it an 8 out of 10 this is very much people either loved it or they felt middling about it or they they really really didn't like it so critics were very much divided on this at the time um, so sales this is according to vg charts um, the reliability of vg charts is up to some debate so take this with a pinch of salt um, but uh, the global retail sales are around uh, 1,290,000 units um, if uh, current trends with digital are to be believed, I think you can add another million on there for digital units, um, at least 500k um, units for digital. Um, yeah, so that's basically the general setup. I'm going to issue a spoiler warning right now. This very much is a game that can be spoiled. So if you have not finished it and want to experience the story without the surprises ruined for you, uh, please turn off and finish the game. Let's go into our histories. And I want to start off with Jacob. Um, Jacob, you wrote uh, an article for Caden Rince, uh, Shapes in the Mist, the Fantastical Grounded Worlds of Fumito Ueda. And you also made a video adaptation of that article, um, Architecture, uh, The Architecture of Fumito uh, Ueda. So it's, it's probably fair to say that you're a big fan of Ueda's work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan. Um, I've I've been. I mean, like I, the first the first of his games I played was Shadow of the Colossus, and that was after you know a couple of years after release because I was uh, ten when it came out, and I just like didn't didn't kind of know about cool art games yet. Um, but but I did you know when I was in like middle school, and it's kind of. Shadow of the Colossus kind of defined my gaming trajectory for a number of years, and I, I promise this is the only time I will mention it, but I do have the bridge from Shadow of the Colossus, like, tattooed on my side, so he is, he is a big influence on me, and so um, it, it, you know, only follows that I was really, like, laser-focused onto all news related to The Last Guardian as soon it was, as it was um, leaked and then announced officially and then, you know, through that roller coaster. And so I followed it all the way up, but I didn't actually get it on release because I didn't have a PS4. And um, then ultimately, when I did buy a PS4, it was about 50% to play The Last Guardian and 50% to play the just announced Shadow of the Colossus remake. Um, so so I, I only played it uh, last spring or or so. But, you know, kind of right from the off, I knew that it would be a game for me. And and as the, you know, multitude of writings and stuff that I've done on it show, it very much resonated. Uh, Jay, how about your history? My history with the game. Actually, I first met this game or encountered this game in December of 2007. We have friends at Sony and we were visiting the Japan studio there was one point where we were walking around and there was a corner, a little darkened corner of the office. And I asked what was going on here because I could see somebody working on a computer. And the our friend who was showing us around told us that that's Team Eco. 
and I remember seeing what looked at the time uh, like a hairless cat on the screen. And that's literally all I saw of it. So needless to say, I was excited about it. And it was a day one purchase when it came out. Tony. Man, I, I want the history where I get a tattoo or I, you know, I see it early in development. <laughs> um, yeah, on the outside, I just followed its release. Now, I'm mean, obviously a fan of the previous works uh, mentioned. Um, we did a show way back when on both those games. It seems forever ago. Obviously, incredibly important games to me both spectacular so the idea of any kind of follow-up to uh, Ueda's work had to you know had me excited and obviously there was a development history behind it <laughs> there's a little delay and whatnot so yeah there was a long delay waiting for it um and then it came out and I only played it this week <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous and I, I know why i only played it this week is obviously i put it on the schedule to be played for the show and i like to play games you know relatively close to the time but it still seems crazy to me that um you know a game that i was so excited about i haven't actually uh, got around to playing up uh, you know only uh, only this week but yeah just team eco games like they're, they're big landmark occasions and you know there there was a lot of you know development history around it a lot of talk about it it's been around for many many years like everybody else here, I was eagerly anticipating uh, the new release. Yeah, so I I utterly adore Shadow of the Colossus. Um, Shadow of the Colossus is one of my favourite games of all time, easily. Um, so when this was announced, I was incredibly excited. Um, I just, I love the aesthetic. I love the themes it was going for. I just liked I just love the idea that this much money would be poured into such a simple kind of small scale idea. And I know that's it, it, we're going to talk about stuff and it sounds weird using the word small the, the phrase small scale, but in terms of like what's actually happening and and the the bombast being put on screen, like especially in the way the game is marketed, um it does feel small. Um, but in a good way. And yeah, so when when the game just kind of went into a series of uh, delays, um, you know, at one point it was coming out in 2011, at one point it was coming out such and such a year, blah, 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 it went on. I, I was incre- increasingly disheartened because... Um, usually when a game is delayed this long, uh, the end result isn't really what you'd want. And uh, I was terribly afraid that this would be the case. And even when the the game was effectively re-announced in 2015 with a 2016 release date, uh, I was, you know, cautiously excited rather than being enthusiastically excited as I was back in uh, 2008. so yeah, um I did pick it up day one though. Um I needed mm-hmm. to know um because um this guy had given me and his team um had given me um such a special experience with their previous title that I I had to give them the the benefit of the doubt. I usually like to start our conversation on what I think uh, forms the first impression of any game that we're talking about, and I and I feel with this one we we've got to talk about the the art design and animation first. Um, yeah, so everyone, um, first impressions, just loading up the game, um, 
and seeing what it looks like for the first time, um, how, how did we feel? I feel like so few games have really defined opening credit sequences, and mm. I just love the one in this, the way that it, it has that just kind of quiet piano, and it's showing all of those kind of like scientific illustrations of animals, mm. but from like, you know, a century ago where where they were drawn a little weird and, you know, they looked kind of like a dog, but maybe not like how we would draw a dog today. And then just at the end, you've got like Trico in there. I thought it was yeah. just like such a kind of wonderful way of of pulling us into that world. I think it's a testament to the game, actually, that I think if you look at it, it, it does have and this is a weird thing to say, but I'll say anyway, it does have a PS3 looky look to it. And um, by that mean, you know, I don't think it's like it's absolutely, you know, brilliantly uh, texture mapped and and some of the the latest performance stuff they can they they yeah the capture they're doing with um, the stuff we're used to now. And initially, you know, playing on the PlayStation Four Pro, it's it's like oh okay, yeah, no, no, it looks it looks familiar, it looks good, but you know, I, maybe it could look a bit better. But actually, I think that's a testament by what we were saying earlier about. I think the design choice was made very early on and that's what they stuck with it. And it's a design choice that is beautiful and it doesn't really matter what you know platform it on. If it, okay, on PlayStation 3 it would look beautiful on as well as um, it does on, on the PS4. I think performance-wise, obviously the PS4 would have helped that game no end to run. But I think from an art design point of view, I think that was locked in very, very, very early on. And it just feels really... Um, uh, cohesive throughout the the entirety of the game, and it feels cohesive with the extended world that mm. um, the Last Guardian sits amongst. You know, yes, there's elements of eco in there. There's elements of shadows in uh, Shadow of the Colossus in there, um, and anybody a fan of those games will see different you know artistic uh, choices that have clearly been informed by previous work. And yeah, there's familiarity there that is is comforting for sure. I, I I adore the way this game looks. Um, this this is how I wanted an Oueda and a and a Team Eco game to look on modern consoles. Mm -hmm. It's it's more detailed and there is more fidelity um, than Shadow of the Colossus and and Eco, but it doesn't. It doesn't get rid of that painterly look. It's still got that kind of, like, there are moments where it looks like a watercolor painting. And I just love the lighting. The lighting is incredible. There are moments where you go out amongst the trees and, and uh, Trico is just um, playing about and you're, you're, you're doing that weird waddly walk that all of Team Eco's uh, protagonists do. Um, and it's just, it just looks stunning. Um, and, um, for me, it really is like a testament to how important good art direction mm -hmm. is over over horsepower because it's still one of the, it's still for me one of the, the the biggest visual treats on the PS4. It, I just I, I I watch video of it even now and think, wow, like this is really really good stuff. Um, yeah. And part of that isn't just art direction part of it's animation as well um i i, I want to talk about the way trico is animated um because it's 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 one of the most incredible things i've ever witnessed um 
So it's important to note, and uh, I'm crediting Jacob with this uh, this note, um, uh, that none of uh, Trico's animation was motion captured. It's all keyframe animation, so all animated by hand from scratch. Um, obviously, they're, they're using... Uh, uh, things for reference animals for reference but there's no mocap here and i think considering what this creature does throughout the game i think that's a miracle (laughs) um because um i've never i've never believed a creature is alive as much as trico um just like ev- everyone you know when you talk about it on twitter and facebook mm. people say oh it looks just like my cat oh it just looks like my dog oh it looks like my bird it- in truth it's taking reference from all of your favorite pets and combining <laughs> it into one super pet that is the best pet of all pets and um yeah just the way it fiddles with benches like there's this bit where you have to catapult yourself into the air and Trico's just like gently pushing it before he slams into that is, it that is my favorite piece of animation in yeah. any game i've ever played I when know, he like so good. when he just like very gently like pushes it up and down and then like really uh-huh. hard is like <laughs> boom. it is yeah, it yeah. is incredible yeah um the amount of times i would be i would i would pretty much stop playing the game just to observe the 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 anima, you know what the what Trico was doing, because it 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 just it it enchanted me all the time. It was just this constant, you know. You just watch it the way you would watch a pet, you know. You watch a cat in a corner playing with a ball or something. You would you would, you know. I just yeah, it it really is a work of it's incredible. You know the the level of different parts they have moving on trico you know the just just the fact that that his legs can all be on different levels or hers or it's you know i'm just kind of picking a gender here um and then and then like it has this really long neck and it can be looking at different stuff in the environment while it's walking in a different direction while you're you know like climbing on it and it's kind of reacting to that as well like there's so there's a lot of procedural animation going on here is something that they talk about where you know like it can dynamically respond to having its you know front right foot on a higher plane than everything else and it just you know it's that it's that perfect level of tech where you stop thinking about how it's impressive technically and just go like well yeah of course it would do that it's a real animal <laughs> like why why wouldn't it be able to stand on you know this hill yeah, there's a magical charm to it, and and I I can recall of a story that I think will sell this so well is I got well actually they're six six year old uh, twin girls and um you know they you know, we play games they play games um you know they're really into Minecraft and stuff like that more mechanical based games because they like the action of doing you know from A to B and they haven't really got I haven't really got them into heavy story driven games of any kind but I was playing this thinking well it's you know it's it's not really a game that is going to, you know, emotionally scar them or any kind of way. It's, you know, they can sit here and they can help me work out some that? of the... Yeah, well, this is... yeah. <laughs> um, they can help me work out some of the puzzles. And I I was blown away by their emotional attachment towards Trico. And it's very hard to put in words, but I my, my, um, my daughter Izzy, she's 
completely into pets. She loves pets. She wants to be a vet when she grows up. It's it's such a beautiful thing. And she's there by the screen and she and she's talking to him one on one. She's like, no, no, come this this way, boy. Come on this way. No, no, this way. And, and because he can be a bit, you know, temperamental in where how he behaves like a real animal. You know, a, a cat doesn't always want to go the, the place you want to unless you're going to feed it. Always want to follow you. But she was just the way she was talking to him. It just seemed like that she was talking to a real cat and she was getting quite emotional when it wasn't doing the things she wanted. But then she would understand it. And then came to the point which I you know really hadn't anticipated was the moment where, you know, he occasionally can be hurt. And she burst into tears and she burst into tears because she was absolutely besotted with the animation and feeling like it was a real cat, bird, dog creature on screen. And she was completely connected to it to the point where I had to stop, let her catch her emotions and say it would be okay, don't worry. And she's a strong girl. She's a really strong willed girl. But this completely floored her because Mm. she was worried. Um, and I always think it's funny. We're quite jaded as gamers. So, you know, I, I always think back to something like Uncharted 2. Remember where, you know, Drake would be swinging off a, a, a pole that was snapping. The first time you saw that, it was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. And then by the time the fourth game came around, we were like, oh, yeah, the pole snapped. <laughs> um, yeah, great. And But this is like every time that Trigo jumped onto a ledge and didn't quite make it, she would scream out and go, no, catch it, get it, get up there quick. Like help him, help him, and I'm like, I yeah, I'm I can't, he'll be okay, don't worry. And so yeah, there there is. I think my point is that there is a real believable um, charm to the animation of that. That is, you know, that does actually capture. Yeah. If it doesn't just capture, you know, uh, you know, younger minds, it, it captured my mind. And and by the end of the game, and I really thought that I wouldn't buy into because so much had been said about yeah you know, your relationship with Trico that. Yeah, I probably was probably too too hard hard nailed to actually to buy that. And uh, by the end of it, I yeah, I was there along with my daughter, kind of yeah, tears in my eyes as you know events were starting to to, to go not the way that I necessarily wanted to. So, so uh, on the on the subject of aesthetics, let's also talk about the the music and uh, sound design. Um, what what did we what did we think of the music? What did we think of the sound design? Yeah, I think this, uh, the soundtrack has, for me, like, three or four tracks that kind of play during the set piece moments that I think are are really incredible and, and mm. scored really well and often, like, really impeccably timed with the things that are happening on screen, which I always think is really impressive. But there's a lot, there's a lot of kind of time in the middle of this game when you're not really doing so much and and during that time what you're hearing is just kind of the same theme when kind of like the suits of armor are chasing you or whatever it's it's pretty much the same every time and and that does get a little trying and i think eco actually had like if you listen to the eco soundtrack most of those aren't songs at all they're just kind of like ambient noises and i think this would have been served a little better by that because it gets kind of repetitive when you're hearing the same like big orchestral crash in every time trico is eventually able to you know knock the suits of armor over and it's just it's a little more repetitive than the other games have been i'm a i'm a big fan of like how sound 
creates a sense of space as well. Like there's there's points where you go out into the big sort of opening and you can see the world or, or the area around you and it feels spacious, it feels empty and it's conveyed by like wind mm-hmm. and the sort of the wind blowing through these huge towers and stuff like that. It's 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 subtle, but it does it, it convinces you of a, an expansive emptiness. It sounds weird, but it just it has that feel to it from the you know, even if it's uh through like distant bird song and, and stuff like that, just things that create an echo as well to some extent. It's like that stuff is I I'm always amazed by that stuff. So I, I tend to agree with you, Jay. Um I I find the sound design to be incredible and I don't want to repeat what you said. Um um I I'd, I'd largely agree with what what you what you've just covered there. I think the the, the way it creates space is incredible. So with, with the soundtrack I'm I'm actually more on um more on Jacob's side. Um that there's there are tracks, individual tracks that I think are incredible. Um but like Shadow of the Colossus is just wall to wall classics for me like every track on the soundtrack is memorable um whereas with this one it's one or two or three and then the rest kind of are just they feel like somebody doing an impression of a team eco soundtrack um uh, a good impression but not a memorable one and um it, it was slightly disappointing just only because Shadow of the Colossus just has such a great soundtrack and it's such mm. a hard act to follow um, that this this soundtrack couldn't be anything other than uh, slightly uh, disappointing. I think the problem, though, is that um, Shadow of the Colossus is you know a game almost of individual set pieces, so it's easier to yeah. score individual yeah. set pieces of sounds. And, and I think you know if you're going to compare these goes, games amongst the, the lexicons of the Team Eco games, then, yeah, it has to be. I think it, it is more like their their original game ego um you know it's it's there's a more leisurely pace to it there's more about you know can we escape this place you know together um where yeah i I think you know shadow of the colossus fundamentally is game design is is quite different so i think you know that's probably why it lends itself to a a more bombastic is the wrong word but you know more of a variation of of um sound score but i i do agree like atmospherically um, you know the sounds, and certainly the sounds of Trico bellowing um, angrily at people yeah. around him. Um, you know that coming through a decent sound system and subwoofer, <laughs> it's actually it could be quite frightening. I had to turn it down on a number of nights because it, it it can be actually quite overpowering. So the story. Um, I, I'll start us off um, with this one. Um, I I do think the the story of this uh, this game is largely um less ambitious and a lot simpler than um at the very least um Shadow of the Colossus that I mean what immediately springs to mind is the Iron Giant for me um this is a boy and the beast um and the beast was maybe destined for something more destructive something more horrible but just through forming that relationship, forming that friendship, um, uh, the the boy brings out 
the better nature of of the creature um and yeah and then we have a happy ending and <laughs> that's 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 the other thing that i think was i was surprised by with um the last guardian is while there are there are certainly dark moments in this game oh, largely God, yeah. the tone is a lot lighter and a lot more upbeat um than definitely shadow of the colossus um, and yeah, the, the 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 story overall is is much more uplifting and uh, much more I think, hopeful. I think you can say that, but at the same time, I think it it's played out in that kind of fairy tale way. But I, I think if you actually broke down certain stuff, so essentially the Trico like animals are taking people from villages, be it boy, girl, uh, man, or woman, and feeding them to a machine in a tower to um, produce more energy, goo, and dark matter. I mean, if you actually put it on the face of it, they're stealing children from children, adults from the world and turning them into liquid. I mean, it's it, it can actually be, if you break it down, it can actually be quite dark, but it doesn't play it out in in that you know as as clear cuts as that is a bit more kind of hmm. um like say fairy tale-esque you know a little bit more magical a little bit more kind of like well yeah i guess that's where they're going and i guess that's what's happening here rather than being explicit so i still think the iron giant comparison works even with those with hmm. those clarifications because the iron giant when the, when the 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 boy hogarth discovers him is is isn't a horrible creature he's had a bump on the head and it's almost like his programming mm. it has been wiped and that's kind of the same scenario that we find yeah. the boy in trico where his programming has been wiped because his helmet's been destroyed and although you know both the iron giant and trico are not malicious creatures by default i think l learning to care about something beyond pure instinct is something that the boy uh, both boys convey to their respective creatures and um yeah and ju and just so some of the beats in the story as well like uh, like the moment when tree so you, when you discover that uh, device that basically triggers a change in Trico and he starts acting aggressively it just reminded me of the scene in the Iron Giant again where the the Iron Giant sees a gun and it's almost like his programming kicks in and he and he needs to become violent um there's just to me like narratively there's just so much in common with those two pieces of work and it, and I still think it's a really good articulation of that story of that narrative um but it does mean that i'm less impressed with the narrative overall just because shadow the colossus felt so singular yeah. and so unique to the medium like you just cannot you cannot tell shadow of the colossus story in any other media good luck brett ratner um trying to adapt it but um um, but yeah, I just I I think this one is much more familiar. This is a much more familiar tale that we have yeah, seen. I think with Shadow, there's a there's a foreboding and kind of an ambiguity to the story going on, and it's it places a lot on the player to to figure out. And I think time the reveal happens. But these games have always yeah. done that. I mean, Eco, Shadow of the Colossus, they're, they're, there's a vagueness, a deliberate vagueness in not explaining everything to the player in terms of the world, the setup, and so on. I think 
and and that's always been a, a thing of great appeal to me when I've been playing those games. I think the goal of the Last Guardian is different than his other games or you know Team Eco's other games because I think everything in the game wants you to just have an emotional response and and I think that Eco and Shadow of the Colossus both had very emotional moments but I think that every single part of the Last Guardian's design is to get you to just have a response to things and and so I think you know and the question of kind of like what does this do as a game that like the Iron Giant doesn't do as a movie I think that one of the incredible things about this game is how close it holds most of its cards you know until it can kind of like like there is so much of this game that is just kind of like gentle navigation that's just that's just walking around and solving puzzles and whatever and then you will have a scene in which you're climbing a tower and it falls over half the map and you jump off and you see another trico and you fall down and then later on you there's like this horrible fight and it feels like incredibly transgressive and violent mm -hmm. and i think that they're able to pull off these moments so effectively because there's just so much quiet time that that you know you almost forget that that this is a game that's going to have big moments and and then when they do they just hit like a truck and that's something that i think actually happened more for me in the last guardian than either of the other two because you know shadow of the colossus you had 16 high moments and and you know in eco you had constant kind of like threats of yorda being taken away and stuff but this has these incredibly focused situations that really kind of direct you you know going into gameplay but you know i think with um these games um gameplay and story are just uh, entangled in a way that they can't be separated i think just to to add to what you're saying there jacob and and to contradict myself already um like the the way in which this this game does differentiate itself from something like the iron giant is the way it chooses to to convey the relationship what i think um Ueda and his team do here and have done with all of their games is trying to take uh, in this case a familiar story that w we may have all already encountered but conveying the important beats of that story entirely through mechanics and gameplay um, there's a fantastic video from Mark Brown um, as part of his uh, Game Makers Toolkit series that's uh, focused on The Last Guardian, uh, where he talks about the, the language of uh, game design as a storytelling tool. And he focuses in on a moment um, where Trico overcomes a established rule that the game sets. So one of the mechanics um, that you encounter in the game is that Trico is terrified of these stained glass eyes um, and every time you encounter them uh, Trico won't move and you have to go and smash them in order to progress but then there's a late uh, a moment later on where um, these uh, uh, stone guardians are holding up uh, stained glass shields and um, you, you know Trico does his usual thing of being afraid and you think right I have to get behind these guys to uh to push them off the ledge 
but then you're ambushed and it looks like you've failed the scenario and there's there's no way for you to push these guys off the ledge but trico then breaks the rule and then uh, and then saves you and that little kind of mechanical subversion conveys that you know trico has made the decision that the the life your life as the player um and the life of this boy is more valuable and more important than his fear of these stained glass eyes and that's conveyed entirely mm. in game it's not a cut scene it's not you know a bit of narration or anything like that it's conveyed through mechanics and time and time again the last guardian does stuff like that like the communication between the boy and trico that's that's all and that building of a relationship it's all mechanics it's all gameplay and that's i think what sets it apart just to uh uh finish off our our points on uh trico and um and his uh, effect on the story um i just want to read out this uh this bit by uh quiet paul from the forum um so quiet paul says i never questioned what the dog slash cat slash monkey slash bird looked like as it just felt like a normal animal to me something you might find in the wild except it's the size of a house the beast never felt unnatural to me, I, and I think that praise goes to everyone that helped piece him together, from designers and artists to programmers and so on. Helped also by the fact that all the environments are so beautiful and well detailed that it was easy to feel immersed. Watching Trico and his subtle nuances as he becomes more and more comfortable around the boy, let the relationship progress naturally. Trico will start to act like any animal who feels comfortable around you, sit on all fours, lift its back leg and scratch behind his ear, squat down and straighten his back before he jumps, etc. Mm. I wonder if it's different for other people, but as a cat person, he reminded me so much of a cat, more so than anything else. If you're a dog person, would you see him as more of a dog? Yes. One thing... <laughs> One thing I haven't mentioned is Trico's eyes. The way they interact with darkness and light is stunning and how the colours change when it comes to his mood and the situation in front of him. You grow to understand when Trico is scared, happy, curious and hungry. Yep, hungry. The parts of the game when your progression is halted because Trico's hungry are a bit of a momentum killer. However, I remained invested and would treat it like any animal being hungry and stroppy. Although it did sometimes feel like little more than padding, would the game lose marks if these segments were not included? Um, so Quiet Paul um, mentioned there the the barrels that you encounter in the world, which I think is another lovely piece of uh, creating that relationship between the boy and the creature. Um, I personally never found them that frustrating because of all the the moments where you bonk him on the nose that we've mentioned previously and, and all of that stuff. And I just find that to be an interesting scenario to have a light puzzle based around, um, something where the stakes aren't too high and it's just about let's get my boy some grub. Um, yeah, I, I really like that. Yeah, I think there's probably the one moment that we'll come on to in the in the puzzles section where you have to like pick it up and throw it over a series of like slanted 
things and it will roll down if you miss. And that was that was very frustrating. But pretty much everything other than that, you know, was like, yeah, I know. I know what it's like when an animal gets hungry. <laughs> I, I understand. Um, it is worth noting that Trico's name can be interpreted several different ways. Um, so Torico uh, can be taken to mean prisoner um, or, or baby bird. Um, uh, Tori uh, no ku, um, that's how that's pronounced. Um, and or it could be taken as a portmanteau of bird, Tori, and cat, Nico. Um, and you combine all of that with the fact that Trico works as you know the third entry in the Team Eco uh, <laughs> series. So that name uh, isn't just a cute name; like it works on many many levels. Um, it both conveys. Uh, the nature of its uh, its imprisonment, what kind of animal it is, and what number sequel this this, <laughs> uh, this animal features in. So yeah, a lot of thought went into into stuff like that. It's it's really clever. Um, to, sorry, um, to the point of those uh, thinking now, you know, played the game to the end and thinking about those barrels of of the goo that you feed your you know, the, you know to yeah. go all the way through. Actually, when you think about it, it's made very clear at the end that. You know they are working for food. You know they are capturing people and feeding it to the machine mm-hmm. um, because they want to be fed. Like any animal, like it will stick around if you give it a treat of food. Uh, that's the very laws of nature, <laughs> it would appear. So I think actually you put that into. You don't know this as you're playing through the game, but I do think you know there there is uh, a symmetry there that you know he does need subsistence. He can't just. He, clearly, he can't just assist on and just be in there in the world. He needs that goo to survive. Um, whether it's a dependency thing because you know they're addicted to it, it's its qualities. As possibly, I think if you look deeper into the story, the you know that was a a civilization of people that once lived there and were taken over by the the power of that stuff. So I think if you wanted to look, there is a, a deeper meaning to to why those elements are probably there in the game. But I think as you're playing it, I don't think they make themselves clear until maybe the second playthrough. Um, how do we all feel about the reveal of the Master of the Valley? We've already touched on it a little bit. Um, but the So the Master of the Valley is the uh, being who is controlling all these creatures and the armoured knights who, who get in the way of you and Trico throughout the game. Um, and is essentially using the creatures to capture children, um, you being one of those children, and the children are basically converted into energy that sustain the immortality of this Master of the Valley. Um, How do we feel about that reveal? Do we like it? I kind of love how bizarre it is. Um, Like, it's I, I touched very briefly upon in my architecture video that, like, that that white tower in the middle of everything, which uh, Ueda calls the Sentinel Tower, um, is like it's so obviously different than everything else. Like it wasn't built at the same time. It wasn't it wasn't you know created with the same methods. And so I really like that at the top of it, there's just this thing that like what the hell even is it? You know, is it an alien? Is it a robot? It's mm. it's so weird and out of place. But I think that it actually kind of works. Um, so I, I like that reveal. I think the general feeling 
doing research around the game is I, I think there's a feeling that you know the master of the valley that the entity that you saw um and the goo has a a place to pay about a place to play in the the building of the area that you're in so there's a civilization that was there built that elements and that the the goo itself gave them you know machines and power and if you think about the world that sits around the um the crater it's you know as far as we can tell from you know visiting the villages outside it they're quite a uh you know a, a less developed race you know they're a less developed uh, society there's you know they've got spears and you know they live in kind of um you know wooden built shacks you know there is no you know buildings of you know big uh, architectural buildings as such so i think the idea is that the master gave us a, a race of people um, the ability to create and have machines, but essentially, like all these things, it overtook them, and ultimately, for his own goals, you know, has now got rid of the people themselves, and you're left with, uh, yeah, as, you know, the machines and you know, control the kind of the spirit-based um, guards and the Trico-esque animals that you're doing his bidding. Yeah, you know, essentially, he then just lives in this his, his nice tower. But what I like about that is. That if that is the case, is the fact that the architecture from the people who were there previously is now crumbling and breaking and is in disrepair. And as you're navigating around it, um, it's all falling down because there is nobody there. But his his tower in the middle is absolutely you know pure and pristine. But he doesn't need the people around him anymore anyway. Um, so yeah, no, I like I like it. I I it's a bit, but yeah, it's a bit. I, I, maybe I don't know what you're getting at, Josh, but it, it does feel a bit like yeah, okay, yeah the. The guy in the middle, eh? <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't actively dislike it. I just find it a bit limp when you compare to Shadow, it yeah. <laughs> to Shadow yeah, of the know, Colossus. Yeah. Um, I mean, or, and, or uh, Ego. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the Queen's yeah. motivations were much easier to understand there, even though she played the same kind of, like, supernatural enemy. Yeah, and I, I just think... There's there's a power and there's a power to the betray the betrayal mm-hmm. in Shadow of the Colossus um, that this this ending doesn't quite matter and and you know again as Jacob has mentioned before this game is going for mm-hmm. a different tone like mm-hmm. ultimately you know it's a happy tale of these two friends getting to know each other isn't it lovely so the antagonist doesn't need to be as uh, as imposing or threatening or just thematically resonant as uh, Dorman is in, in in Shadow of the Colossus but again i just it was a geometric shape in a room and i just wish it was just something a bit more exciting well Um, yeah i kind of like see i like that i'd rather i'm glad it wasn't a person of some description yeah because it wouldn't have worked in the same it had to be something kind of supernatural-esque otherwise you know how did it exude this power over things but but yeah again i i would even with your point taken i would again point to shadow of the colossus as an example of a supernatural mm. being beyond human comprehension that does feel really threatening and powerful and um this felt like a, a shape and and it's it's it still works ultimately and i think it and i don't think it takes away from the core of this game in any way um i just wish it was a little bit more interesting but yeah I mean, the that's thing just is- me 
Yeah, we keep saying the happy ending, but to me, you only get the happy ending if you watch post credits, because I think the ending is is kind of, um, it kind of leaves you a little bit. Well, it's a, it's an emotional ending because like the villagers kind of attack the creature and stuff, and and the boys trying to stop them, and he eventually just flies off and stuff. But it's just you. It, it's only after the credit sequence that you get that moment where you realise that. He's, you know, he's found a mate, and they've had a, a a youngster and stuff. To me, that's the happy ending. But before that, it's like if you stop playing it at the end credits, it's kind of a little cold and a little sad. <laughs> but but yeah. also, also your happy ending is is seeing Trico pretty much not quite torn limb for limb, but his tail ripped off and well, that's you know yeah. being oh my being God. pinned down and officially assaulted by tr- you know, I mean, a dozen other. Uh, I can't. So. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm. I'm guessing at that point, your ch- your ch- children were like inconsolable. They were, they were long uh, in bed. <laughs> um, no, I, I. Yeah, to that point, actually, you know, I. I misjudged a couple of times where I thought, you know, because it, it's hard because the game is yeah. actually, if we talked about, you know, it's relatively sedate for long periods, and actually, mm. um, even to the the point of being chased around by the the spirit esque knights, um, you know, it was quite freaky for you know for younger children. Um, you know, once again, the grizzled old gamers, you go, like, yeah, yeah, fine, yeah, sort the puzzle out and just need to avoid them. But to them, they were like, get the get away, oh my god, like run. <laughs> I'm like, I'm running, I'm running. You're making this more awkward than than it seems. But, um, yeah, but Jake, I mean, Jake made the I think a real valid point earlier. I think I think where um shadowed that obviously there was you know. Each each moment, you know, there's there's a beat of of gameplay that you know both changes up and the story in there. Um, where this, yeah, the, I think those those moments of lows or, or just traversal, then followed by you know a parry of relatively tough violence towards a creature that you're you're starting to have you know a good you know companion feeling to. Um, I think can actually come off as as quite shocking, and I don't think it is as clear cut as oh this is a fantasy you know a fairy tale. I think it it can. Um, be a bit more than that, and a bit more intense than that. Uh, but I do think, yeah, as as gamers, you, you know, we've seen it all before, so it maybe doesn't quite convey the way it needs to. But it kind of it kind of reminds me of some um, some of like the the Ghibli movies, you know, Miyazaki's mm. whatever. Mm. Where some of those, like you know, Princess Mononoke is is you know all the way through a very adult film. But things like Spirited Away, it's like lots of kid themes and seems kind of kid friendly but if someone gets hurt they are going to bleed real blood Mm -hmm. you know there's no just because the themes are kind of more kid-ish doesn't mean that there's like a softening of a violence when there would actually be violence and i think that that's that's a very powerful tone to strike of of kind of like innocent but not inconsequential um, I want to move us into general discussion of the gameplay, but before we share our thoughts, I just want to read these two pieces from the forum. Um, so this first one is from Joe Bo, uh, Bonobo, uh, who says, Now this is a game where I am all over the place on. 
When I first played it, I could not get enough of it. Trico really is a beautifully animated creature that you can't help but like, and it exudes just the right amount of cuteness and intimidation. Sometimes I would put the controller down and just observe Trico washing himself in puddles and was entranced by his behaviour. Puzzles were really satisfying to solve uh, for the most part. I love the fact that the boy is massively vulnerable to the suits of armor that patrol the area. Having to solve a puzzle while avoiding their gaze were easily some of the tensest moments in the game, and the sense of relief you get when Trico gets to save you from imminent kidnapping was immense. Things were good. And then I got around halfway through the game and a lot of problems crept in for me. The few barrel puzzles where you need to throw them in a certain place in order to feed Trico uh, were absolute misery for me. Uh, the finicky controls and atrocious camera in those sections just completely drained my enthusiasm for continuing with this game. I seriously would not touch it for days because I dreaded going through this exercise in torture. But I was determined to finish it, and eventually I returned to it, finished the barrel section, and was ready to enjoy myself again. Then came the underwater sections. Holy moly, the controls for swimming are easily the worst I have ever come across in a 3D game. The boy is about as easy to control as a lorry balancing on a rope. Just getting him to turn was teeth pulling. At this stage, Trico was starting to grate. Just dive in the water so we can push ahead. His stubbornness could be endearing at times, but here I was really ready to just never play the damn thing again. Then there is a section where you're stuck in a cage and super monkey ball this ain't. Again, turning and getting it to go up a step for a stiff and completely joyless exercise. The controls were seriously a huge issue in this game, and I am amazed that in the, the decade that this game was in development that they did not give such an important part of gameplay a hell of a lot more polish. At numerous times I was contemplating whether to pack it in, but like Trico, my stubbornness prevented me from letting this game defeat me and I sweared and gritted my teeth through all these chores. I was committed now to get this over with. And uh, briefly hear from Quiet Paul. However much I love and adore that Trico has a mind of his own, the amount of times he persisted in ignoring me, looking the wrong way, and accidentally pushing me off a cliff to my demise hindered things somewhat. Even in one situation, I was on his head trying to ask him to jump. I did the jump animation and pointed where I wanted him to go and he inexplicably looked straight down at the same time and I fell right off his head and down a giant <laughs> chasm. I did not find any of it too bad though, at times even quite charming, as I've had many past experiences of asking my old cat to do something only for her to respond by tilting her head, perplexed by my mouth noises. Animals are clumsy and will walk in front of a camera or step on you by accident so the gameplay um it's fair to say that um the the controls the camera all of that stuff 
was one of the things that divided critics most at the time. So how do we, and and clearly uh, some of our correspondents here as well, um, so how do we all feel about the way this game controls and how it feels to play? Uh, I want to start with Tony. Yeah, um, I've been fairly glowing on the game so far, and, and I, you know, to to respond to uh, was it uh, Quiet Paul? No, it was Jake. It was Janobu. Yes, there is control issues, and I and I think anybody that's that's coming off any of the the previous two game iteration of the games probably isn't surprised there's control issues uh, or camera issues. Um, if you'd played the original. Um, incarnation of shadow of the colossus on the playstation 3 um 2 sorry playstation 2 um yeah you yeah this game is like a a work of art in comparison to that so uh right i'm gonna dive straight in there and disagree with you well before yeah i was gonna say i'm siding with tony on that one okay well okay. Okay, let me let me say so i'll right, let so, you finish your point yeah. as mentioned this game has been years in development and i, and I think you know we talk about how much time has been spent on animation and uh, the visual splendor of the game and that is time to me well spent but i think it, this game does feel like it, it's trapped a little bit in time in the way that it it performs i think um the difficulty with trico being as big as he is is the camera has a real hard time trying to frame both you and the beast at once in the same shot, normally inside of a building. So it tries to, you know, tries to be the master of that and, and quite often fails. Like you, you find yourself just not getting the right camera angle. If you're trying to climb Trico, like occasionally it will just push you underneath and you have no way of knowing if left is left or right is right and you fumble around the problem with any of this and it's all i think to me it's it's all surmountable like it, it, nothing to, nothing to me was oh god this is a you know a game breaking experience but it does take you out of the um out of the moment of gameplay like it just it, it at times you feel like you're fighting systems rather than just enjoying the world that is presented to you and i think you know actually in the playstation 3 era that was or even yeah playstation 2 playstation 3 era that was a common thing like all through gaming that's been a common thing but i really think that this generation actually you know it seems like a lot of developers have got on on top of that so to actually play a game that fundamentally does feel quite old school in that design um, I think it's just a bit more shocking to newer people or people that probably aren't expecting it on the newer platforms. To me, like I, it, it never became a point where I was like, I'm going to put this game down. But it, it certainly was times where I was like, good God, this camera can be atrocious on on occasions. And yeah, it's to me, that's just unfortunate. But I also think it's just, it's just a demonstration of this game being caught up in a game-designed um, um well, it's more than just it. There is game design elements, I think, that are caught in uh, an older generation era. Um, but I'll let other people talk about those as well. But what's your counteract point then? It's no, I. So for me, I mean, the the point that I and the reason why I jumped in briefly there is I I think this is this game controls worse than Shadow of the Colossus did, um, both on the PS2, PS3. 
Um, I haven't played the PS4 version, so I I have no idea how that version controls. But the thing for me is, um, yes, the controls for Shadow of the Colossus have aged, but they for me they've aged in the same way Resident Evil 4 has aged, where it takes like five or ten minutes to adjust and then you're fine. Because everything around those controls is designed to accommodate them. Um yeah, the camera in Shadow of the Colossus isn't the best in the world, but you're so often in wide open mm-hmm. spaces and on top of a giant beast that you hardly ever encounter the limitations of it. And also there's things like the 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 the, the biggest thing that they've changed in terms of the controls um in The Last Guardian versus both Eco uh, and Shadow of the Colossus is the automated nature of the way your character interacts with the environment versus the manual way that the protagonist of Eco and Shadow of the Colossus interact with their environment. When you want to grip onto something in Shadow of the Colossus and Eco, you have to hold down a button that is the grip button. And if if you want to let go, you let go, and it's easy, and it's just it never got in the way. Is that true of in, Eco? I yes, yeah, that's true of Eco as well. I don't think you're I'm holding sure. a grip button. I mean, there is a let go button, but you're not you're not like pressing R one. Uh, I may have misremembered that, but that's definitely the it, case it's, of Shadow it's of less, the Colossus. It is absolutely less automated than um, yeah, than yeah. Last Guardian. Your, your point still stands. Yeah, and the the thing the thing that frustrates me, and and again, credit to Jacob for this pull. Apparently, this was um, a change late in development. But the the thing that frustrates me is that. Um, the boy's grip is automated, so even if you're trying to get off of something, it's like tr- <laughs> it's like trying to get a cat off of your sofa, and it's really decided that it does not want to leave that sofa. Its nails just dig in, so every time I try to remove the boy from Trico, it's like. Uh, no, no, I'm stuck again. No, no. And there are several time-sensitive moments that where I wanted to throw the controller across the room because the boy would just not let go of this creature, um, and in order to in order for me to let you know do what I needed to do yeah. in the moment, and that never happened in Shadow of the Colossus. It never happened in the PS2 version, and it never happened in the PS3 version. Like, I I had more direct control over what I was doing on the beasts in Shadow of the Colossus than I did when trying to traverse across Trico or any other environments in this game. This is like this is this this small change is my number one complaint above all other things. Like mm. I don't mind the communication with Trico. It never bothered me. Like the fact that he ignored orders sometimes, fine. It just made him more believable. This change is what frustrated me the most. The boy just I just cannot get him to do what I want him to do in ways that I could with with previous team uh, eco titles. It's... I'm not. I'm. I mean, it's interesting. I, I. I'm not trying to be contrary here, but I genuinely didn't have that problem with it. The the thing is, all their games have all to all Eco and Shadow of the Club. I've always had issues with the general control of your protagonist's character. The only thing that genuinely irks me to this day, and from pretty much from the moment I started playing, I was bemused at 
whoever had done this was the UI. The, the tutorial oh prompts my that are the God. single most <laughs> obtrusive, irritating. Like, they are to the point... And I've often wondered if the game never had them to begin well, with and they were never meant to be there and it was meant to be you figuring it out based on the animal's behavior and your and that sort of interaction stuff. Well, but and it's it like, just... it's not even things that you need to figure out. It's like how to jump no. pops up yeah. like in the last like, hour of the game. <laughs> The massive prompts as well. They're not even just the single little button indication. They're like, uh, and it, so what you've got for those who don't know is it's like basically an image of the PS4 controller with the button highlighted in yellow, and it's just like, what the hell yeah. is that thing? You know, it's and just as I visually as I said obtrusive. earlier that you know they spend the waiters they spend so much time. Um, making the world that you live in kind of feel like a, a believable place for Trico, or at least Trico himself, a mm. believable character and, you know, unresponsive t- to commands on occasions. Yet, sometimes I found myself it being unresponsive to commands and suddenly the commands would come up on screen. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with me trying to tell me. I, like, the, it's your game has decided. I do, like, we're just at a slower point here. It's fine. Why there's... It, there's so so what it, I think clearly... You know, I talked about you know having a, a strong will of mind and and you know having mm. that be if if that would be play tested nowadays. You know, quite often people would say no, like he he just needs to control the and but you say no, that this is how I want him to be in this game. But then that just irks of it going to play test people struggling. You know, still many hours into the game and just at the last moment, right? Auto grip and um, put the put the um, you know the directions on on screen. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fixed that problem. And it's just this horrendous band aid. And I and I think I say this, it would be easy, but you know, it it seems like an easy fix. There would have been a toggle on off for, you know, almost like a classic controls. You know, would you like this to to play in the Shadow of the Colossus yeah, way, which would be interesting, or would you like this? You know, would you like command? I mean, the command prompts one should be a simple. You know, I've seen them once. Thank you very much. Like, don't show them again. But it'd be interesting, yeah, if they could have um, managed to kind of su- you know satisfy you know a, a different camp of people that actually wanted the game to be a little more challenged. Because I, I think the game design. You know, to talk about game design here for a second. There's not a lot going on in this game other than traversal. Um, and the traversal is pretty automated. I mean, you obviously have to jump and there is risk between dying and jumping. But there's a lot of the times where, you know, there's that kind of illusion of um, danger, but actually you're you're perfectly fine. And, you know, there's a few times where you're going to jump, but you manage to grab the tail and... You know, that seems to play out half a dozen times too many for me. It's like, you know, the, the moments lose their impact once you've seen it a couple of times. And I think Climbing of the World just, it all feels really rather safe. And for a game that actually, you know, has been in development for that long, it does feel quite old in its game design. Um, and it feels like if they were to put it in development now and had that same Commander Trico, etc., that... I think they would have been better off mixing up a bit, but it's clearly maybe it's just not the the game designer they wanted to sh- to show. But um, while while we're talking about kind of the game game holding your hand and our and our least favorite parts, I actually I thought I didn't have much of a issue with the controls. I I don't have like an argument against people who did. I just like didn't find it. But what I really did d- truly hate was the 
the narration of like the the hints were were sometimes bad but honestly much more so were the story moments where it was very obvious what had happened and then you would just have this kind of man's voice come over and be like and i knew from that that trico and i were best friends now <laughs> and it and it, yeah. it felt so mm. i mean just just the most unnecessary and i i had put a note earlier that ueda said that they actually had like twice as many subtitles originally and they removed them and that's shocking to me because what it feels like is is them getting scared that people wouldn't get the story and then kind of rushing in this like we're going to tell you exactly what happened in this story um, and it's it's a very weird choice for a studio that has kind of defined themselves mm-hmm. by enigmatic stories. And this game, even with that, having a lot of unanswered questions, but you just have this guy talking. It, it feels like Harrison Ford in Blade Runner. You know, when when they made him re-record all his like voiceover lines so that people wouldn't get confused. Like, it just feels pointless. It just feels like that, but rather than it feeling like an artistic choice, it it just feels like somebody hit a panic button at some point and decided that yes, or you know, the, the previous Team Eco games had had uh, had been um, critically successful. They hadn't been commercially successful, and at, you know, after nine years of development, they needed this to be a, a commercial <laughs> success as well as a, I mean, the a critical success. Feels it, like yeah, it wasn't, but it's, equally. The UI feels like it was somebody else's decision Absolutely. on that yeah, one because it, it feels completely it out, out of place. context of the world, and I think they do such yeah. a good job of you know designing the world, the look of the world. To suddenly have UI, I and mean, there is no UI in the game, and then suddenly have this bash of a UI on the on the front end of the screen from nowhere, it just feels you know in congress to everything else yeah. that is there. And it, but it, I think like I could have tolerated that. The moment I could have, t- if That's I could fine, have turned yeah. it off as soon as I was, you know, as soon as you became familiarized with the controls, I don't need it on screen like every other game does. You know, I can turn it off. Um, I can turn off yeah. tutorial also, prompts, and but there's never been an option for that, and it's it's, it's also yeah. not a a massive game breaker, but um, the frame rate in this game is is all over the place. I mean, I, I played it on the PlayStation Pro, and I've I've linked linked since learned that I should have probably played it in 1080p on the PlayStation Pro and then it's a constant 30 frames per second but I played it on yeah whatever it's version of 4k not quite but whatever um like it was all over it it at times it dipped down to 20 frames per second and like that's actually it really did kind of oh god this feels like a you know a, a game that has been in development hell kind of like how is this on the PlayStation 4 mm. on the PlayStation Pro and still um chugging well, along I, I would imagine yeah. that was it was early days for 4k gaming as well i mean it still well, is i mean on the base playstation extent. 4 it's you know it's around i didn't i, I can't remember ever well apparently it's around on, on the... yeah, it's... i i i did i don't think in for me it, it never got to the point where it was actively distracting mm. i did notice it drop um it, it didn't drop any lower than like 24 frames per mm. second i think um, but that, if i were to guess my, and i am but just and my point here, is but... you, know, you can see why this probably in the end was the right decision to get it off the playstation 3 as a yeah. platform and i no doubt they've added yeah. 
more to it since then. But yeah, I a bit like Shadow. I just think that it would have been too much for, for its host platform and needed the breath of something a bit more powerful, um, you know, in, in this case, the PlayStation 4 down the line, um, just to get it out the door, which I think, you know, was probably the right decision in the end. Mm. But it's just some of the game design just feels old, um, a little slow, a little kind of dated. And, you know, I'm fine. I play a lot of old games, so, you know, I was happy enough. We talked about the barrel rolling mm. on occasions, which, you know, can be frustrating, but nothing that I haven't seen in a you know, million other games. And I just think for all the ambition of Trico, the rest, you know, and the Trico and the world, I think the rest of the game, the rest of the game design seemed rather safe, which is fine. But was some I has to say was somewhat of a disappointment coming off the back of something like Shadow of Colossus, which at the time that game design was just phenomenal, unbelievable. You know, never hadn't seen creatures like that on screen before, and you know, and from an artistic standpoint, I always when I first played Ico back in the day was just floored by how it looked, felt so different from anything I had played before. So yeah, the, apart from obviously Trico itself, which you know is fantastic. The rest of the game felt incredibly safe um, in some sections. Um, I just want to read this piece from Simon Sloth, um, which covers uh, the controlling and commanding of Trico. And we can use this as a bouncing off point if we have any uh, any points on that. Um, so yeah, here's, uh, here's Simon Sloth. Um, he says, The commonly cited cri- criticisms of the game are its controls, camera, and Trico him slash herself. Having grown up as 3D games have evolved, I am much more tolerant of the first two issues and found the camera and controls perfectly acceptable. Trico, on the other hand, depending on his or her behaviour, could either be fantastic or infuriating. The game is built around the complex interaction and relationship between the player, controlled protagonist, and the free-thinking AI companion. On paper, this sounds fantastic. In practice, it is much more divisive. Um, One design choice that I cannot comprehend is the lack of guidance in how to communicate with Trico. I I maybe disagree with that. But anyway, it would make sense to be deliberately vague if your companion wasn't so stubborn. Uh, The game kept reminding me how to pick up and grip objects every few minutes, so why not give me a vague idea how to make simple commands? It's not a minimalist HUD design choice, as all other actions are prompted. Occasionally, I consulted walkthroughs as I was completely at a loss of how to progress. On reading these, I would discover that what I was trying to do was in fact the solution, but Trico did not want to play ball. It's either incredible artificial intelligence or poor game design. I can only think that Ueda's vision of a living, breathing animal companion was the main reason why the game only just about escaped development hell. Despite how many times I pointed in a direction and told Trico, let's go that way, he refused to listen. Even when I clapped and rewarded him on occasions, uh, he complied. 
The majority of the time I had to resort to climbing off his back, jumping around and shouting until eventually he would lollop in the correct direction and the game would progress. I even left the game running whilst taking a break during certain sections hoping something would happen. Typically I would return to see Trico exactly where, where I wanted him slash her to be, only without me being with them. It did seem as the game progressed, Trico was a bit more malleable, but the first three to four hours of frustration sullied the experience for me. Now, what is very interesting is I know lots of people who played this game without any of the issues I had. Does this suggest an even more complex level of artificial intelligence, such that every Trico and consequently game experience is unique? Could there be a possibility that the criticism I am levelling at the game could be of my own design? My initial impatience and continual shouting at Trico was not constructive and befitting of a companion. It was a dictatorship, not a partnership. Perhaps if I were to approach the game differently at the outset, would I end up with a different experience? Or am I giving the game too much credit and an excuse for its myriad of flaws? So we've we've kind of touched on this, and I, I think this will kind of round out our gameplay discussion. Um, but how how do we feel about giving commands to Trico? Um, I, I'll... I'll kind of start us off. I have to. I have to admit, like I, out of all the big complaints that this game has leveled at it, this was one of the things I had the least problems with. Um, I I only found that Trico would like ignore me twice, and then he would do it, and that was fine. Like that felt real to me. It was like, yeah, jump, yeah, jump, jump, Trico. Yeah, jump, and then he would do it, and then yeah, I just progressed, um, and that felt organic and natural to me, and I I never re there wasn't I can't think of a single point in the game where I was just stood there for ages trying to get him to do something and he wouldn't do it, and I do like like um uh, like Simon Sloth suggested, I do wonder if it has something to do with the way you treat the creature because uh, yeah. I did spend a lot of time removing mm -hmm. spears patting him all the time trying to make sure that i was keeping him you know healthy and i do wonder if that helped you know help make the 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 creature more compliant but i did what 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 were, you, what were your experience i mean it's interesting you say that because that's exactly what i did and again i didn't have anywhere anywhere near the amount of trouble that some people say they did um what i found was that if you ask him to do something, it it was often conducive to wait after the first yeah. button prompt. Because the more you do it, the less he seemed to react to it. And then I'm thinking, so I approach that in a sort of realistic sense. If you tell an animal, go over there, go over there, go over there, it, they, they become less uh, cooperative anyway. <laughs> They'll just tend to sort of look at you and think, nah, you're all right. Um, that's how I looked at it. I, it did feel deliberate in terms of game design, in terms of um, the way he reacted to based on how you'd worked with him. Like, 
clearing the you know wiping the feathers and removing spears that stuff it definitely felt like it. well it did have an impact there's not like there's no doubt in my mind that it, it impacts on how he responds to you so if very early on you're you're approaching it that way yeah you you, you feel the difference in his behavior yeah jay i think you're exactly right i mean the it's not i don't think it's even the kind of how you treat him outside of commands it's just how you deliver those commands because yeah. i i think one of the things that i'll say about the last guardian is i think it's actually a much better play on the second way through because what i found is a lot of times i would be telling trico to do something and in fact i didn't really know what i wanted it to do and then it wouldn't it wouldn't do that because it wasn't like, you know, I was telling it to jump in a place that it couldn't jump or do whatever. And so when I, when I returned the second time and I knew how to do all the puzzles and I could patiently just kind of like mm. ask it to do something and then wait for it to kind of position itself to do it, it felt incredibly responsive. And, and I really think that this is a symptom of people treating Trico like a video game where you press jump and, then you jump yeah. and not like just any kind of creature that takes time to like wind up and get in the right position and do all the stuff that it has to do before it can follow your command yeah. well that said it takes it takes a while to teach a dog to sit <laughs> right. you know at least the patience i found that that's at least and, and maybe it's telling that that's how i started to look at the game and the creature as a real thing rather than as a video game mechanic uh you know obviously i wasn't you know I, I knew it was a video game but it was still i approached it with that mentality i approached it like this is gonna take time so patience yeah, and that was and then i didn't i found i didn't have yeah, a there's a leisurely place just... pace i found to it that if you the more you push it the less easier it becomes i did have moments where i you know just pure like i know where to go you know and get off his back and run to the position and say look over here because it was a quicker method than to allow him to you know wander around himself and slowly mm. amble on that way because it was just yeah that i need to be here so come here now so i think i do get those complaints but i do think yeah at times you're better off giving one command and actually i found occasionally i just gave one command and almost put the pad down for a minute as he worked his way through, you know, and, you know, one or two kind of environmental puzzles himself. And the more I interacted and, and kind of forced him to do stuff, the slower that uh, that you know puzzle came to its conclusion. So, um, yeah, I, I think I do understand the complaints, and I, but I do wonder whether yeah. it is a combination of all those things of how well you treat him, how well you, you know. Yeah, there is no meters to say that you know, you're you're you know a, a caring owner versus uh, somebody that just didn't care, um, and maybe that stuff plays into it, or maybe there is. I think if you're if you're ambitious enough to allow him the Trico to have a little bit of free will, I th I think occasionally that can rub players up the wrong way because you know fundamentally people do like you know games to react to what they're asking them to do and occasionally if a game doesn't react to what they're asking to do it can actually come off as relatively grating um when you think you know what the answer is so i think you know it's a combination of multiple things 
Right, it's time to hear from our forum contributors. If you would like to uh, uh, have your thoughts read out on future issues, head over to canaanrince.com slash forum and find the relevant thread um, uh, for the uh, upcoming issue. Um, so yeah, uh, this first uh, forum post is from T-Bone254. He says, I have mixed feelings on this game. It's a gorgeous thing to see in motion. The music is a joy to hear and the story is wonderful. Unfortunately, this was almost completely ruined for me by the poor controls and some other sloppy design choices. It's frustrating because this game should have been magnificent. And I say should have been because it did so many things right in regard to storytelling and artistic design. While the story is simple and straightforward, it's done in an intelligent way. With very few notable exceptions, the tale is told mostly through discovery as the boy and Trico use their mutually beneficial relationship to try and make their way out of this ancient city. The player learns Trico's little intricacies and nuances through natural observation. This is supported so well artistically. Both Trico and the boy seem to have an endless amount of animations. The boy's movements appear natural and reactionary to his environment. But what I think is most impressive about his animations isn't just that they look natural, but that they look natural for a small boy. Things like how his arms swing in over-exaggerated arches as he climbs Trico, or how he stumbles around over piles of rubble and rocks. He doesn't have the sturdiness of an adult, and this does a lot to show the boy's vulnerability. Trico is almost the exact counter to this. He is sturdy and deliberate. When the environment isn't falling out from under him, he has an almost cat-like gracefulness. Speaking of the environment, I really love the architecture. It has this appearance of being really ancient, yet somehow more advanced. The towers and buildings are just enormous. They seem to stretch infinitely into the sky. There are points where you're so high up that you can't see the ground beneath you and you look out at the horizon and you can see for an, et for an eternity. The lighting is incredible and it really does a lot for the atmosphere. It really gives the impression that this boy is stuck in some sacred city. While that may be par for the course for Team Eco games, this is still impressive. I really like its use of showing the progression of time. When the game first starts, everything is really bright and vibrant, but towards the end of the game, as you're making your way up the final tower, the sun has begun to set. The light has turned golden, shadows now stretch across the ground, and the creatures, depending on their location to the camera, appear more silhouetted. I remember seeing this and something about it resonated with me, like Trico and the boy have had a really, really rough day and there is something about it just feels final. It may sound kind of lame, but I think it was just one more thing for me to relate to. 
I think the story is pretty wonderful as well. I really enjoy it when the games don't overly explain the world and leave the story open for interpretation. To me, the masters of this are from software and their Souls Bloodborne series. Uh, but I think Team Eco did a really good job of this with The Last Guardian. Just browse the internet for a bit and you can find all sorts of different theories about what or who the Master of the Valley was. I've read that it was a deity that was worshipped by an ancient people, an alien that crashed onto the planet and begun subjugating the people of the world, or even that it was a giant supercomputer created by an ancient civilization to mine the mysterious that eventually became too powerful for the people kind of like an ancient Skynet. I'm sure there's many others, and I think that's a testament to, to its great storytelling. While I really enjoyed the visuals, the music, and the story, I had a hard time finishing the game. The controls were just too awful, and I don't think I'm being unreasonable here. The camera is atrocious. It feels like it has an endless dead zone with a moderately slow acceleration, so the camera always feels like it's lagging behind my thumb movements, kind of like trying to control a puppet. And on top of that, the camera routinely repositions itself in the most inconvenient of places, usually resulting in my death. Then there are the controls for the boy. Traversal around the environment itself isn't so bad, but the moment he gets on Trico, it all goes out the window. There are numerous times when all I wanted to do was to climb onto Trico's back, but for whatever reason, the boy begins climbing circles around Trico's legs or climbs underneath his belly and don't get me started on the pit of no return that is Trico's shoulders. And then there is Trico himself. There were so many occasions where I tried to get Trico to move or jump in certain directions only for him to remain completely unresponsive or to turn around and head back in the direction he originally came from. It's all the more frustrating because there are parts of the game where Trico and the boy just blow through the environment but inevitably Trico will hit a spot where his logic just seems to completely break down, even though the direction he needs to travel is obvious. This totally broke the flow of the game for me, and I almost quit the game altogether. My girlfriend, who was watching me play, had to convince me to return to the game because she wanted to see it through. There are other design choices that bother me as well, like how there is an option to invert the camera but not for the aiming mechanic of the shield. It baffles me that something so arbitrary as look inversion wasn't applied universally to all forms of look and aiming. Then there are the controller prompts that never go away. Team Eco did such an amazing job of creating this absolutely gorgeous game with all these little intricate animations so the player could gather all the information they need without a single piece of heads-up display and they completely ruin it by adding in tutorial prompts that can't be turned off and continue to pop up for the entirety of the game. I think this game frustrated me so much because it was so close to greatness, because by the end of the game I had grown to despise Trico. Dealing with him was far too unpleasant, and I was eager to finish the game and be done with it. But when the end finally came and I watched as the wounded Trico flies off after the boy sends him away, spears hanging from his body, I found myself mournfully wondering who was going to remove his spears. 
then I felt a little bit of relief because I know the game wasn't completely ruined for me. When I look back at the game, I can't help but wonder how magnificent it could have been had it not had the problems that it has, because it is really good. But unfortunately, I think it falls short of greatness. But who knows, maybe in 10 years' time, Bluepoint will make an updated version for the next generations of consoles that fixes all the bad parts, and then we can have the masterpiece this should have been. Okay, this piece of correspondence is from Toon Skatoon. He says, In the universe of The Last Guardian, I never knew a lot of things. I never knew if the reason the boy felt so ropey to control was to express his youthful awkwardness or was merely meant to challenge the player. I never knew why the amorphous blob with a penchant for M.C. Escher architecture wanted to kidnap the children of nearby villages. Did it turn them into its undead soldiers? I can't be sure. I never knew if Trico, the companion animal I first feared, then cursed, then loved, really understood what I was asking him to do. And I certainly never knew if in this universe Trico lived off of barrels of butterfly juice or if all winged creatures simply love blue Powerade. What I did know right away was this game looked like a dream, balancing color, texture, and light the way the best visual art does. I also knew from playing other Team Eco games I wasn't going to get a whole lot of answers to the questions I raised, but that as long as I enjoyed the process of raising them, I'd enjoy the game. By the end, I knew I wasn't disappointed I'd spent my time playing and considering this game. Wade and his team had made a very interesting statement about what it's like to be an artist trying to guide, cajole, and bully its sometimes skittish, not-so-secretly powerful collaborator, the audience, towards salvation by the tail. And just like the protagonists in the final post-credits cutscene, I have a feeling that I'll be casting out a signal towards this game for years to come, raising more questions and fondly remembering the time we spent together. So this from Quiet Paul. Having just moved to a new home in December 2017, I had a bit of free time to sit and play a few games, which is rare these days beyond an hour or two after work before the girlfriend gets in. I received The Last Guardian for Christmas and in my two-week winter break hammered through it over the course of two sittings. While I probably didn't get the most out of it I could, for what time I had spent with it was the most enjoyable, cute, aggravating and heartbreaking experience I have had with a game in some time. The visuals, the music, the environments, the ability to grow such an attachment with a big animated computer game cat chicken, they all come together seamlessly and completing this game reminded me why I played games in the first place and still do to this day. In 30 years time I can pick up The Last Guardian HDDDDD 12K super duper graphics version with a few technical and gameplay fixes and I will again be reminded why I still play games. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Okay, Scrussel says, Being a fan of Fumitu Ueda's work, especially Shadow of the Colossus, I was waiting, waiting very eagerly for The Last Guardian over the years through its painfully protracted development. Shadow of the Colossus was one of those games that really opened my mind to what games could do and shaped of how I think of games as a whole. So it was a pretty big moment for me when The Last Guardian finally came out. When I eventually got my hands on it, it ended up being mostly worth the wait, but not without some big pitfalls too. 
The Last Guardian came out in a rather strange point in time. Ueda's previous work had been a huge inspiration for so many indie games that had come since, with that entire section of the medium being born and settling into a well-established niche in that time. So, the last time we got a game in this lineage, there was nothing quite like it. But now, experiences like that are not hard to find, with many of them being heavily inspired by its predecessors. Yet, The Last Guardian feels like it ignores any of that ever happened, and the game is true to how it was originally intended to be if it was released early in the PS3 lifecycle in many ways. The design of it, and the way it controls, feels pretty dated, with it suffering from problems that the rest of the medium fixed long ago. But at the same time, it retains that spark of originality and ambition that was much more prevalent in the PS2 days, and was a big part of Ueda's previous work. Trying to create something different and unique, trying to push games in weird new directions, it even manages to maintain that in comparison to all the indie games Ueda's work inspired. The core of what makes The Last Guardian such a special experience is Trico. I imagine this is what took so long to develop, and in the end it was definitely worth it. Trico is such a well-realized creature, and it genuinely feels like a real animal with a mind of its own, making the experience of bonding between it and the boy you play as feel very authentic and moving. The way it acts and moves is uncanny. All the little ticks and quirks it has are all very convincing and natural, like the way it will behave when it's curious or scared or just bored. One common criticism you hear about the game is how Trico doesn't respond to commands and is frustrating to play with because of how it disobeys you or takes forever to do things. I can't say I found that to be the case at all. While it's true that sometimes it does not do exactly what you want when you want it to, it never feels frustrating or broken in any way. It feels as it was intended to, like Trico is its own intelligence and isn't just a tool for the player. It does things as it wants, and sometimes you'll need to give it some encouragement first. It mulls things over as if it's trying to work out what you're asking of it before it does it. But it never felt like it was getting in the way of progress to me. On the very few occasions where I felt like I wa it wasn't doing what I wanted to, it was usually because I was asking it to do the wrong thing. And the game is meant to be a slow, laid-back experience anyway. It's meant to be about taking things slow and bonding with the creature, not charging through everything as fast as possible with no friction. I've also sometimes wondered if the criticisms about Trico come down to people's preference and pets. Despite having some habits of both dogs and cats, Trico definitely feels much closer to a cat in its behavior to me. Generally laid back, curious and friendly, but has its own desires and won't just do things on command all the time. Being a cat person myself, I didn't have a problem with this. If you just go with the flow, Trico things usually work out fine. But I wonder if perhaps people who are more used to dogs, them being more responsive to training and commands, are frustrated with Trico because they expect it to be able to do the same thing there, when that's just not how it thinks. There is one major criticism of the game that I agree with though, and that's the camera. It is shockingly bad. I can't think of any other game I've played with a camera this bad. The finale of the game, however, is spectacular. While much of the game is a mixed bag of touching moments and inconsistent puzzles, the ending makes it all worth it. It's a beautiful moment set against a gorgeous sunset that is absolutely heart-wrenching. Even if a lot of it is pretty predictable to anyone familiar with the stories Ueda tends to tell, it still works wonders as an emotional gut punch that is the culmination of the fantastic bonding experience the game crafts across its runtime.
Everything the game does up to that moment is delivered on in such fa a fantastic way that it's hard to hold anything against it in the end, warts and all. Despite all the problems this game had in development and how other games have done similar things in a smoother and more user-friendly way, that moment proved that Ueda still got it and can still use games to tug on your heartstrings like no one else. So Simon Sloth says, um, the game's final third is a masterpiece and I cannot help but wish that the rest was of a similar standard. The ending was raw, tense and visceral with the final moments incredibly emotional. The music, visuals and themes are very Studio Ghibli-esque, which is high praise indeed. I tend to take notes throughout a game if I am likely to put something in writing about it. Uh, frustrating, tiresome and boring were some of the words I wrote in the first two thirds. Fantastic, exhilarating and masterpiece were how I described the last portion. If this were Ueda's debut, I doubt as many players would have made it to a chapter I hold in the highest regard. The goodwill generated by Eco and Shadow of the Colossus grant him a little bit more patience. I'm glad I persevered, as in retrospect, I don't think I've ever played a game like this. And given the checkered development, I doubt history will repeat itself. This is a unique, once-in-a-lifetime type of game, and we should cherish it. And uh, finally, from K-Sub-Zero, he says... It's been said that experiencing a good work of art is akin to having a profound conversation with the author. After playing The Last Guardian, I do feel like I've seen the world through Vermito uh, Ueda's eyes, like I've shared his personal life philosophy for a little while. His sense, as MGS4 would call it. And I feel like both of us have a very similar perspective on a lot of things. The most astonishing thing about this game is that it commits to something that the overwhelming majority of games, including other narrative-driven puzzle games, would never even consider. It dares to not always make the protagonist the most important person in the room. It dares to portray a non-controllable deuteragonist with agency and a mind of, it, of his own. It dares not to pat the players on the back and tell them that the entire world revolves around them. It dares not to hide hollow rewards behind every corner. It dares to give a resounding no to the ugly, selfish, narcissistic crowd. It may come as a bit of a surprise to hear me say that I didn't have any major issue with the controls, considering how often I like to ramble on about mechanical systems and the technicalities of specific control schemes. And that's because the game never pretends to be an action game. It doesn't need responsive input methods because it wasn't made to be mastered. It doesn't view itself as a strict succession of challenges to be overcome. Its various rules aren't meant to be memorized and successfully applied in order to maximize the efficiency and potential rewards. In fact, I consider the opaque nature of the majority of the game systems to be almost a net positive. I approach each room with hesitation and apprehension, wondering where to go and if the upcoming events were going to play out in my favour. 
My grip was weak and my movements were imprecise because I was tired and scared from being lost in a hostile and unaccommodating world. In other words, my experience mirrored that of the boy himself. Trico was this intimidating yet beautiful other person who I grew to love as my friend. He wasn't a tool to be used, nor a pet to own, nor a lifeless NPC NPC to click on. And when I reached the epilogue, awkwardly shuffling around in my tear-soaked blanket, my first thought wasn't, what did I unlock? Or, I wonder what score I'll get? Or, when is the trophy going to pop out? or can't wait to try out some challenge run because this game is not about mechanical mastery it's not about being in control it's about friendship a friendship that starts off quite utilitarian at first with both characters taking advantage of the skills that the other can provide as time goes on and their journey progresses you can see how genuine trust and affection starts to grow between the two until it ultimately culminates in the highest most precious and rarest form of friendship there is the one that aristotle calls friendship of the good the truly selfless stage when what is being cherished is not the materialistic gain or biological imperative, nor the pleasure derived from proximity and interaction, but the core of the other person's being, to the point where either friend would gladly sacrifice their own life to save the others, when you give without expecting anything in return, when the expectation of reciprocity and the balance of power fade away, when mutual respect reigns supreme, when you care about the other person not because of how it makes you feel, but because of who they are. Needless to say, such friendship will only ever be experienced by a tiny fraction of any given population. Humanity's interaction with sentient life forms deemed other, both animals as well as other humans, of course, has always been deeply rooted in either extermination, exploitation or subjugation. Two people standing shoulder to shoulder next to each other without either party trying to dominate or manipulate the other is a rare sight let alone with a lowly non-human involved. As Professor X would put it, sharing the world has never been humanity's defining attribute. I think Ueda understood that when he made the choice of showing how the boy's spiritual journey had only been made possible by leaving the preordained confines of his native society as well as coming to an abrupt end once he rejoined those very same, not to mention how the other Tricos are seemingly being driven mad and violent as a direct result of the ominous subjugation they're under, this game cuts deep and addresses some incredibly powerful subject matter in a fascinating way. The puzzles and various challenges aren't the main course here. The main course is seeing Trico stricken with anxiety and desperation after seeing the boy being abducted before his eyes, courageously leap past the eye shields and that terrify him in order to save his friend. When the game breaks its own rules not to unfairly cheat the player, but to underline its thematic weight, Ueda's signature, designed by subtraction, has never been more fitting than it is here. Hearing people criticise this game for not having an immediately responsive 
subservient AI companion reminds me of people playing through MGS2 while shooting everybody in the face and cracking jokes about Raiden's feminine attributes, despite that game's obvious themes of pacifism and deconstruction of the player character. Perhaps the game was not made for you, but instead it was made because of you. I've long been a proponent of the idea that great games of every genre are usually defined by their strong sense of identity and commitment to their unique voice. From 2D platformers and twin stick shooters all the way to racing games, character action games and narrative driven RPGs. A unique voice is always an asset even if it may hurt a title's accessibility at first glance. The Last Guardian for all its flaws has a beautiful and powerful voice. It is a poetry emotion. It is more of a fable than fable, and for that alone I cherish it and will hold it close to my heart for years to come. Frame rate issues and system specs fetishizing detractors be damned. We need more games like this. It's complete it completely baffles me to read respected professional critics claim that this game is somehow outdated because we've had games like Limbo and Journey since then that filled the niche. With that being said, I completely understand how how this game's myriad of little issues might turn some people away, but it has its place. It absolutely has its place. Thank you for that. Cool. Let's move on swiftly to our free word reviews. You can send your free word reviews to at Kane and Rince on Twitter. We send out the call out just before recording. Let's go. Okay. Peter Cleaves says, constantly calling Trico. Choduk. Go there, damn it. Falco Loffler says, I said jump. Jeremy Greer. Just go there. Caroline says, ineffective pet training. Uh, David Merritt's interminable tutorial prop-ups. Andrew Elmore says, frame rate cause nausea. Glenn Watts, irritating diving puzzle. Louis Filiatrol says, climbing those towers. Uh, Stanchel, awful then amazing. Alexio Summer says, Untamable Joyride. Jim Larson, eat that barrel. Luke Summerhays says, Big dog, innit? Case of Zero, Ode to Sentience. Leaf Cut says, Big Sad Eyes. Tom Hewlett, please be okay. Zoe Harwood says, Big Feathery Boy. Paul, love that boy. Holger says, Tears are ending. And Multan Jod? That ending, though. Toon Skatoon says Ueda's Trico Treat. The Tiege. Trico Law Fantastique. Finally, uh, Chris Schilling says Ueda's Best Yet. And all that leaves us to do is to uh, give our summaries. Let's start with Jacob. About two years ago, I was in. Um... Kind of what what I now, upon reflection, realize was like mentally the the darkest part of my life. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't in school and I wasn't working and I wasn't really doing anything. Um, and so I got a dog because because that's what you do when you have no other things to be responsible for. Um, 
and and she's a uh, you know perfect perfect little puppy and i named her toriel after the undertale character so obviously video games were already in the mix there um but but she had this this it's a pretty major issue which was that she um she she had really severe food guarding issues and whenever there was food that she decided was hers uh she would just kind of go feral and and really i mean just just attack anyone who came nearby and there would be you know incidences where i would i'd be trying to get her away from something and be like wearing gloves so she wouldn't like lacerate my hands and and then she would <laughs> she would bite through the gloves and lacerate my hands i mean it was it was really bad and so i i brought her to um this dog trainer and the trainer said that uh she had only ever seen two dogs with that level of aggression and both of those dogs had been put down within um within the year and and that i wasn't going to do that like it wasn't it wasn't even a question i just could not do that and so instead we worked for months to you know for for her to to not lose her mind whenever she was near food and and it was just an incredibly slow process of of kind of making sure she knew that she would always be fed and if something was taken away it would come back or she would get something else and you know just piece by piece by piece she kind of learned that she would be okay and 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 now it's two years later and i still have her and and I can leave a slice of pizza on the table and she won't eat it and she won't attack me when I come back. You know, and I don't I don't even know if I have to connect the dots between that and the last guardian. But I I feel like I'm not even capable of assessing this game as a game because for me, it's just such a like unbelievably raw emotional experience because it it just 1000 percent brings me back to those months of of loving something desperately and being incredibly scared of it and also incredibly scared of losing it and and i don't know how the last guardian portrays that so well but it absolutely does and you know that that scene at the end of the game where you're you're sitting on top of the tower with Trico and and it's sunset and you just kind of you have to choose to make the next move but if you don't you can just sit there and kind of be with it for as long as you want is is the most powerful moment in basically any video game i can think of um and <laughs> And so that's what the last guardian is to me. You know, I don't I don't know how to to finish that off, but it is it is one of the most emotional experiences I've ever had with a game and it continues to be so even though I know where the story's going. So that's that's that. My views on the the last guardian are as divided as uh, if you if you go onto gamerankings.com and look at the spectrum of reviews, that's basically what my <laughs> opinion is of this game. Um, I will go from, wow, this is just 
astounding. This is amazing to, oh my God, I I hate this game. I hate it. And then bounce her all the way back to, oh, I just love it. I love it so much. And if you were to average it out, it'd probably end up being an eight, uh, much like the critical reception was. There are so many, like the animation of Trico is incredible. Um, it's some of the best animation I've ever seen in a video game. And everything to do with Trico was a success for me. I understand some of the command stuff for some people didn't work out, but that stuff really worked for me and, and I never really got frustrated by it. It's the boy. It's the boy who's the problem for me. Like the boy just can't let go of fur, uh, just... Do do as I say, boy. You're the one who's not listening to what I'm trying to do. Trico's fine. Um, yeah, and yeah. So ultimately, I I think I like this game. I think I do like this game. I, there's definitely moments in this game I'll never ever forget because they're just they were just so poignant and and uh, and emotionally affecting. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I don't love this in the same way I love Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, I think that game's a masterpiece, and I think this game is just good. Um, I think the game has a myriad of issues, but that's not necessarily the point that I want to bring up. I, I think they're there, and you can't get past them, and I think there's a story to be told there, and I think the game, the length of game development time uh, has a fundamental um, place to play in that story. But I think, you know, what I try to look at games is is more than just, you know, the sum of its parts. And this game has a heart. That's a really nebulous thing to say, but actually we all know it. You know, it's it's a really it's a more technical, challenging thing to achieve in a game um, than the mechanics in some respects. So actually, I, I, you know. I can get over the fact that the game at time feels a little bit broken because I think with Trico's game design, it has a heart and I love that. And I got involved with it and to see my, you know, my young daughters also get involved with it and be, you know, completely enraptured by the animal on screen. And, you know, we've said so many times, Trico, 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 Trico on this, on this show. And I think, you know, every game has a hook and, you know, um, the Last Guardian's hook is Trico's game design, and for that, I think the game is a stone cold. You know, ten out of ten, amazing. There's issues around the rest of the game which are very hard to overlook, of course. Um, and a bit like <laughs> you, Josh, you know, there's times where I found that almost impossible to overlook. But overall, you know, I was blown away by what was presented to me on screen and um yeah there's a there's a perfect game in here for sure it doesn't quite make it but do you know what i bloody loved it anyway so i'd rather walk away from this having a heart and making me kind of feel emotional and cry than you know worrying about whether the uh the game design was spot on which it isn't so yeah overall i would absolutely re- recommend it as is always the case with with games it's it's i can forgive its flaws and any issues that i have with a game if the end if if the overall journey in a sense is has an emotional impact and there's no question that this game 
I mean, I, I played it with my wife watching. She wanted to see the game. She, I mean, she she's known about it all the time. She you know she's she wanted to see the games uh, finale, and the fact that we're both sitting there, you know, tr- you know, tears in our eyes, kind of thing. That that would that alone is enough to cement this as as a for me as a classic title. Um, I, I think it's absolutely worth experiencing. If it, particularly if you're an animal lover or a dog owner or a cat owner, I think that there's the familiarity you'll immediately see with the behavior of the creature that, it, it, to me, that, that alone can sell the experience. That's really all I can say. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I can forgive any issues that I had because the, the overall experience resonated so deeply. So. Yeah. Well, that's it from us uh, in this issue. Um, it just remains for me, Josh, to thank Jacob, Jay, and Tony, all of our correspondents, and also uh, Jay for doing the editing on this one. Uh, good luck with that. <laughs> and um, and and of course, thank you all for listening. Um, again, just want to remind you: if you enjoyed this issue uh, of the podcast, please subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and also, uh, this is a good point to remind you that if you uh, donate to the Patreon, so Patreon.com/slash Rents, uh, not only will you get access to podcasts one week early, you will get access to unabridged versions of the podcast so normally our issues are two hours long and that's our maximum but uh if podcasts go over that limit we will uh have a a slightly looser edited version um on the patreon um so yeah um next time in issue 348 we say goodbye to trico and hello to jehoti and trade in subtlety for bombast as we cover Zone of the Enders 2 Second Runner.